Well, it's a new year, and it's the first Sunday of a new year. So it's a great time for us to think about starting over, don't you think? A fresh start. And that's what I want us to be focused on this morning and in the next several weeks together. The reality is, and I believe this with all my heart, sometimes all of us at some point need a new beginning, a fresh start. We need to start over. This morning, we're going to look together at a new start, a fresh beginning for what I believe is a very unlikely candidate, a man by the name of Moses. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the third chapter of Exodus. Most of us are familiar with some of, if not all of, or most of, the story of Moses. We know that God did a, a number of amazing things in his life to save him, to train him, to position him, to use him. Most of us know something of how the story ends. But the beginning of the ministry of Moses is equally amazing. And that's what I want us to look at this morning as we start, is where the ministry began. Where it started for this man, Moses. Now certainly we know that God had his hand on him from the very beginning of his life. But we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 3 at a place where God has to give Moses a fresh start, a new beginning. And I think that it's exciting because to some degree I would have to tell you, I think that Moses probably thought uh, that his days were over as far as being used in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we feel like that. And it may be that some of you came into this room feeling like that this morning. Maybe 2018 didn't go the way you planned. Maybe some things didn't work out. Maybe some relationships failed. Perhaps some job issues derailed you. You're looking at 2018 and saying, man, it just, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and probably that's just lost opportunity. There's nothing ahead of me to get excited about. I want to disagree with you. And I think God would disagree with you. Because if you're willing to trust him, follow him, and allow him to use you, you'll find out God has some great things in store for you in the days ahead. We learned that from looking at Moses. So let's do it. You've got your Bible open to Exodus chapter 3. I want you to get to verse 1, the very beginning of the chapter. Familiar passage, one that most of you probably know quite well, have heard numerous times. We're going to look at it together. Four simple verses. That's it. If you've got your Bible open there, if you can, well, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word this morning. Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Here's the record. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over to see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, 
Moses called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Pray with me. Father, today, in all manner and form and fashion, there are bushes burning. Capture our attention. Turn us aside. Speak to us. Father, in big things and little, we've all failed. We need new starts, fresh beginnings, do-overs. And so, Father, I pray that today you would reveal your plans, your love, your mercy, your grace, whatever is needed into the heart of each person in this room. So that we might realize and know today that God is not finished with us yet. Father, teach us in this time, for we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's really such a simple story. Moses was out watching the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro when he saw a burning bush. God spoke to him from the bush. But you have to realize that the story of Moses didn't begin there. In fact, years before, the Hebrew people had become so numerous that they were frightening to the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh had commanded that all of the new Israelite baby boys would be thrown into the Nile so that they could drown, be destroyed by the creatures of the Nile. Moses' mother, you remember, hid him in a basket among the reeds. There he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. She raised him. Moses grew up in the palace among royalty, well-fed, well-educated, living a life of, of privilege. And one day, from that position, that perch of privilege, he was watching as the Hebrews slaved away. They were the slave labor of the Egyptians. And he saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of those Hebrew slaves. Indignation rose up in him. He went and and intervened in that situation. In doing so, he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. But rather than owning his action, he tried to cover it up. He hid the body in the sand and went his way, assuming all was well. The next day... He saw two of the Hebrew brothers fighting each other. He went to intercede, to intervene, to to break up their fight, to separate them and stop them from what they were doing. And, And as he did so, one of them looked at him and said, Are you thinking of killing me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Red flags popped. Moses said, in my terminology, Uh oh, they know what I did. It's not a secret. I've been found out. So he fled into the wilderness. He fled to escape the potential punishment at the hands of Pharaoh, the Egyptian law. 
We're told that he went into the wilderness of Midian, a wilderness region. He took a wife. He winds up tending sheep for his father-in-law. Can you imagine what it must have been for him as he was sitting there on a hillside, sweating, watching those sheep and feeling the sand all over himself? Can you imagine what he must have thought? Everything I lost, everything that I had, everything that could have been, it's gone. Raised in the palace, raised as royalty, just to be a fugitive shepherd hiding in the desert. One day, moving the sheep, just as we read, he saw a bush. A bush that was burning, but it wasn't burned up. And Moses' life was never the same after that. Perhaps some of us are sitting here today thinking, you know, I've made a mess out of things. I can't make them right. I'm not usable. I'm not useful. God's probably with me. I want to give you a word of hope. Don't write yourself off yet. Don't sell yourself short. Because we're going to look at these four verses from Exodus chapter 3. And I want you to see some things that I believe God has shown to me that I think all of us need to grab a hold of and hold tight to, especially in those moments when we fall down. Let's begin. Let's, let's start with this reality that fresh starts may come at unexpected moments. If you look at verse 1 there, what does it say? Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Man, this wasn't anything at all like what it had been before. When he was in Egypt, he had position. He had power. He had strength. He had authority. He had determination. He was in a greater position than any other Hebrew person in the entire nation of Egypt. And then he fell. Now, I stop at that word because when I say he fell, that ought to be a moment where each one of us can relate. He fell. Have you ever fallen? Have you ever done something you wish you hadn't done? Said something you wish you hadn't? Been part of something that you could go back and undo? I don't think there's anybody in the room who's honest who wouldn't say yes. Now, I understand something. When, when Moses fell, this wasn't a stumble. This wasn't a, oops, I stubbed my toe. This was a full-on, flat-out plant of the face into the ground. I mean, this was a complete and total train wreck of a fall. He then flees from his failure. Look, I know I fell. I know I failed. I I don't want to own up to it. And so thinking everything is lost, he just runs away. And I have to wonder in my mind as as he's going away from Egypt and out into this wilderness area, what's he thinking about? What's he remembering? Is he remembering the palace? Probably. Remembering the love of Pharaoh's daughter? Possibly. Remembering the food that he ate that he's never going to taste again? Most likely. The education that he was given? Maybe. But more than anything else, I'm going to tell you what I think he was dwelling on. His failure. 
Because, see, that's what we do. I mean, when we fail at something, we don't think about all the things that are lost so much as we think about what we did, what we said, where we went, what we were involved in, how we can change things. If we'd have just been smarter, if we'd have just paid attention, whenever we, we felt that, that voice in the back of our head saying, don't go there, don't say that, don't do that, if we'd have just listened, if we would have taken advice from other people who gave us good counsel, but we didn't do it. That moment of pain may have passed, but I don't think for a moment the memory was gone. I think he was still hurting from it. And it might be that there are some in this room this morning who feel the same way. You feel like you've blown it. You can't go back. You can't get it back. You can't have that opportunity again. Moses was tending sheep. I mean, I just love the way this starts. Now, Moses was tending the flock. Probably figuring out this is what the rest of my life looks like. I'm going to be out here in the sand. I'm going to be out here in the wind. I'm going to be out here in the elements. Everything good that was laid out before me, it's gone. I'm going to spend the rest of my days being nothing more than a shepherd. Doesn't sound very promising. But God had another plan. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Are you ready? You note takers, you got your pencil ready? God always has a plan. You say, well, we already knew that. Yeah, but you need to be reminded of that. We all do. When we think we have burst to give our world down, God has another plan. And his plan was to give Moses a fresh start, a new beginning. And it came at the most unexpected time. That's how God does things. That's how we know when it occurs that it's a God thing. It's not something we engineered. It's not something we made happen. It's not something that we could coerce. No, it was a God thing. Whenever it happens at an unexpected moment, an unexpected time, we know it's a God thing. Now, we're, we're sitting here in 2019. The man's already dead and gone. But probably the vast majority of people in this room are familiar with the name Steve Jobs. If you're not, here's your refresher course. At 20 years old, Steve Jobs started a company in his parents' garage. Now, that's not the greatest of beginnings. First off, at 20 years old, he's in his parents' home. He's living in their garage. He starts a business. He names it Apple. Within a matter of just 10 years, it's a $2 billion company with over 4,000 employees. Man, this guy's got it made. Not so fast. He winds up getting fired from the company that he started. Now, for most of us, that's where you quit, right? That's where you shook off. I'm done. I, I mean, I did this. Nobody appreciates it. I'm out of here. I'm finished. I'm done. Now, he shook off the dust. He went and started again. He started another company. He gave it a, a twisty, tricky little name, Pixar. Maybe you've heard of it. And they eventually produced the first full-length, fully animated movie entitled Toy Story. Now, why would you tell me that, preacher? Simple. I want you to understand something. Out of his failure came his greatest success. Failure doesn't have to mean an ending. Mistakes don't have to mean life's over. 
Most of us live our existence staggering and stumbling and failing and falling, but that does not mean that God is done with us. God is patient and long-suffering. So don't fall into the trap of believing that just because you messed something up somewhere along in your life that you have missed every opportunity that God has for you and that hope is gone. Life and history and scripture are filled with examples of God coming alongside people who have failed and offering them new beginnings, fresh starts. Fresh starts may come at unexpected moments. Start, great thing to know. But can I make it a little more personal? Fresh starts can come to the least expected people. I mean, the people you look at and think, God can't use them. Watch out. When you look in the mirror and say, God can't do anything with me. Watch out. What do you think people saw when they looked at Moses? Have you ever contemplated that? I mean, I I have a tendency to think about things in weird ways. I understand that. I have people tell me, preacher, you're weird. Okay, I get it. But think about what they saw when they looked at Moses. The Midianites were not in Egypt. They were not Egyptians. They didn't necessarily know all of his background. They certainly did not know about the crime that he had committed, the murder that he had, 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 been, had, had perpetrated. He did, they didn't know about the body that he had buried under the sand. So when they looked at Moses, what did they see? Just another shepherd. But the reality is they didn't see him. You know why? He led the flock to the far side of the desert. Moses didn't want to be around people. He didn't want to be with the crowd. He wanted to be alone. He wanted to be isolated. He knew that if they knew his story, if heard everything that happened back in Egypt, they would see him as an outlaw, as a fugitive. If not, if he stayed there, they're going to look at him. You know what they're going to see? The only thing they're going to see is another lazy son-in-law that needs a job from dad. So he took the flock, and he goes back to the backside of the desert, probably wallowing in self-pity to some degree, thinking he's all washed up, but God had a plan. God always has a plan, like I've told you. He looks beyond where we are to where he wants to take us. Moses didn't realize on that day what many of us fail to realize still today, that God often uses our past and our past failures to prepare us for using us in the future. Had God done that in Moses' life? Without question. Think about it. Being raised and educated in Pharaoh's palace offered him contact with wealth and power. He had rubbed shoulders with leaders and seen how they worked and how they maneuvered and how they led so that whenever the day would come, when he walked back into the palace, he was not in awe of his surroundings, nor was he in awe or intimidated by Pharaoh. The experiences that he would gain in the wilderness, tending this flock that belonged to his father-in-law Jethro, Gave him a time of solitude where God could grow him. But more than that, it also gave him the opportunity to learn survival skills about how to get along in the wilderness. That might come in handy over the next, oh, say, four or five decades of his life while he's leading God's sheep 
around in that same wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. You see, God used everything in Moses' past to qualify him for the future. He was born a Hebrew, but a lot of people would have thought, man, that's a curse. I mean, they're going to kill all the Hebrew boys, toss them in the river, let the crocs have them. If the crocs don't get them, the fish will clean up whatever's left. You say, well, that's morbid. That's reality. That was the game plan. Let them drown, let them sink, and let them feed the fish. That was the plan. He was born a Hebrew, but can I tell you something? That gave him credibility with the Jewish people. So when the day came that God brought him back, they would hear his voice. He was raised in the palace where he was educated and prepared to be a leader, even though he had no idea he was going to be leading God's people. Taken into the wilderness to tend sheep, he learned to survive in the desert, in the wilderness. No one else was prepared to do what God had prepared Moses to do. Listen to me, friends. Say it. I've said this to many of you personally, one-on-one through the years, and I will continue to say it if you will hear and listen to me. God does not waste the hurts of his people. What God takes you through, he is taking you through in order to prepare you so that he might use you. Say, well, pastor, I don't agree. I went through this and all it did was just hurt me. Do you think, are you so, so naive that you think you're the only person who's ever going to have that experience? Who is ever going to hurt that way or feel that way? God may be preparing you to minister to someone else who's coming along behind who is going to have the same type of experience. God does not waste the hearts of his children. If you are suffering, if you are struggling, if you are hurting, if you're going through something and thinking no one else has, stop right there. Someone else has. And if they haven't, one day they will. And God may be preparing you right now to minister to them. God has an amazing way of preparing his people to do what he wants them to do. Moses may have looked like nothing more or less than a fugitive shepherd. And you may look in the mirror at yourself and say, well, I'm not the right person. I, 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 I don't look right. I don't sound right. I, I can't speak well. You start to sound like Moses quite I think, if you read the rest of the story. The question is not what you think of yourself. The question is, what does God think? Fresh starts can come at unexpected moments to the least expected people. But let me share with you one more thing before I stop this morning. Still got your Bible open? We're going to look at a little bit lengthier passage right here in the midst of this text. Because we need to understand that fresh starts may be found in unexpected places. Look at what it says. He went to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb the mountain of God. There, there. If he hadn't gotten there, wherever there is, well, there is at Horeb, the mountain of God. If he hadn't gotten there, then what's going to follow would not have happened, okay? So he went to the far side of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it uh, did not burn up. So often in our human experience, it's, it's when we're running from God. It's when we're running from people. It's when we're running from situations that God finds us. 
It's in those moments, it's in the time when we're trying to escape that he captures us. It's in those moments when we want to be left alone that God interrupts our lives, confronts us, changes us. See, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Have you ever heard the testimony of someone who came to know Christ in a prison cell? Have you ever had anyone share with you how they came to faith in Christ, reading the Word of God with their head ducked down in a foxhole in a battle zone? You see, the reality is oftentimes whenever you think God's the last thing on our minds, that's when God steps into our existence. And for Moses, there he is on the far side of the desert, seeking solitude, wanting to be away from people, wanting to be left alone. And instead, he finds an unexplained sight, a bush that's on fire, but it's not being burned up. And out of that bush, he has a personal encounter with the angel of the Lord. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God draws us naturally in supernatural ways. God draws us naturally in supernatural ways. In you? Naturally. How many of y'all have just a little bit of curiosity in you? I hear the ripples of laughter. I don't see very many hands. So I'm assuming the laughters are our affirmation, okay? I, most of us are curious. We see something curious, we want to take a peek at it, okay? God knows we're curious. He made us with curiosity. He gave that to us. That's how we learn. It's how we discover. It's how we investigate. It's the curiosity. In us. So God knows that he has made us curious. And so what does he do? He places something supernatural in front of a curious man, a bush that's on fire, but it's not being burned up. I mean, I've seen bushes burn, haven't you? Have you ever thrown wood onto a fire in a fireplace? You see what it does? It burns, but as it's burning, it's constantly changing. It's reducing. It's moving from being the substance it was to the ash it's going to become. And if you watch it long enough, there's nothing left. And if you see a bush burn in the wild and the wind is blowing and whipping it around once it started burning, it doesn't take very long, man, and there's nothing left but a little black stick sticking up. Moses is watching that, and he realized something. That bush is not being consumed. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. How in the world is that possible? How could that possibly be happening? What am I looking at here? I better check this out. So God has the supernatural to appeal to the natural part of Moses and get his attention. God draws us naturally in supernatural ways. Now, here's something that happens in Exodus that most people don't realize. You've probably read this passage a gazillion times, like me, and never really paid attention to this. But I want you to see this. You get a glimpse into the mind of Moses. Look back at verses 3 and 4. So Moses thought, you're in his head now. So Moses thought, you're, you're inside his head. Moses said to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, what are you going to do when God shows you something really strange? I mean, stranger than me. Something really bizarre. 
you're either going to say, I'm going to go look at that, or you're going to say, I don't know what that is, but that, that's not normal. I'm out of here. We do one of two things. We either go toward it or we go away from it. Okay? Moses says, I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing it, but I'm not sure I really understand what that is. I'm going to go over and see this thing, why this bush is on fire but not burning up. Now, keep reading. Look at what it says. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God was waiting for Moses' response. My friend, God may be waiting on our response this morning. He may be waiting on your response. He may be showing you something, trying to get your attention. He may be calling to you, and you're not paying attention. He's waiting for your response. Are you going to run away, or are you going to run toward it? Are you going to turn aside to see? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, get this, God called him. God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Moses took a risk. He walked toward the unexplainable. Some people call things that are unexplainable frightening, scary. No, they're just unexplainable. Moses took the risk. He stepped toward it. When he took the step toward it, God saw what he was doing, and God said, all right, this is the man I've been waiting for. Here he is. He's a risk taker. And he called out to him. And I want you to see what he did. He called out to him, Moses, Moses, pay attention. God called him by name. There's no question who God's talking to here. There's no doubt about who it is that God is speaking to. No, he called him by name. He called him Moses. Moses saw something. He, he sensed something. He, he took a risk. He turned aside to see. And in that unexpected place, on the backside of the wilderness, at the foot of Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, Moses was granted a fresh start by Almighty God. I want to ask you a question. And it may sound like a silly question for you. I don't mean for it to be. When's the last time you heard God call you by name? I've had people tell me, well, he never has. Well, maybe you need to start looking around you a little more. Maybe you need to start paying attention. Maybe you need to start taking some risks. When God shows you what he's trying to draw you to, maybe you need to start walking that way. Because, my friend, whenever we do that and God sees us going the direction he's planned for us to go, he begins to speak, he begins to direct, he begins to steer, he begins to move. And that's what he did in the life of Moses. 19. Here we are. January the 6th, 2019. The first Sunday of a brand new year. And here you are sitting in a church worship service. Some of you had every intention of being here today. It, it's, your, it's your weekly routine. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's where you go. These are your people. This is your place. Some of you are here maybe for a second or a third or a fourth time, and you're saying, you know, I'm still looking for that place. I'm still looking for that bush. I'm still listening for that voice. Okay. 
Perhaps some of you walked in here for the first time this morning. You've never been in this place before in your life. And you're wondering, why in the world am I here listening to this lunatic? It's a place you didn't think you'd be today. On the first Sunday of the year. But you took a step. You walked through the door. And it may be that this morning, just simply because you took the risk and you took the step, that God's going to call you by name if you'll listen. And maybe he's going to give you a fresh start and set you on a course you never imagined and let you see things you never thought possible and do things going to turn imagined and be a part of something that the world is going to talk about for generations to come. You ready for a fresh start? I didn't stay up to see the new year in. I've discovered something in 57 years. It always gets here at the same time, on time, whether I'm waiting for it or not. If I don't stay up and wait for it, I can always count on my neighbors to wake me up and tell me it arrived. (laughs) But laying in my bed on New Year's Eve, I told God, I want a fresh start. I want to start over this year. The things I've done right, I want to get them wrong. Or the things I've done wrong, I want to get them right. But I also know this. There are new things ahead of us. New opportunities. New ministries. New people. And I don't want to miss any of that. Folks, I don't want to go to the backside of the wilderness. And please forgive me for this moment. But you're the sheep I've been charged with. I want us to take this journey together. And I want us to commit ourselves in 2019 to following the Lord, to getting to know him better and becoming more like him and seeing where he wants to take us and what he wants to do with us. And I don't want it to be a lonely journey. I want us to do it together. So how about today? First Sunday of the year. Let's set our sights on it and say today we start over. Now that may mean different things to different people. Some of you are saying just fresh start. That's all I need, fresh start. There may be some in this room who are saying, you know what, I need to start over. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I need a personal relationship with the Savior who has given us opportunity to know our Heavenly Father. My friend, turn aside. Turn aside today and move toward him. I promise you this. He will not leave you standing and waiting. He'll call you by name. In a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have never come to a place where you have confessed your sin to him and asked his forgiveness, invited him to take control of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. You may not be sure of what to do or how to do that or involved in doing that so I'm going to ask you to turn aside take a step of faith take a risk when we stand and begin to sing step out and come take me by the hand say pastor I want that relationship I will not embarrass you I will not put you on the spot but I want to explain to you 
how you can become a child of the king today. Maybe you're looking for a place, a church family, a flock you can be part of, where you can serve and be connected, where you can, you can be a part of what God is doing and you can take an active part in being part of doing it. If he's led you here, this is the place, I want to invite you to come. I don't know what your situation is, but we'll figure it out. We'll help you find your way. And let's start over. And let's journey through this year following the great shepherd and see where he takes us. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment, uh, to give you a moment to surrender. It, it may be that this morning you came here expecting something and it's not here. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came. And I hope that somewhere, some way, you find what God has laid on your heart and what you're looking for. You can, but if you came here looking for a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know you can have it right here. You can carry it out with you. He will walk with you every day from this day forward if you'll surrender your life to him. If you're looking for a church home and this is where God has brought you, I, I just want to encourage you. Be a part. Connect. Find fellowship. Find, find service. Find ministry. Be a part of it. Receive it. Give it. Perhaps you're looking for something you're still not sure what it is. We're going to be praying for you, praying with you, that God will reveal himself to you today and in the days to come. My friend, I don't know what it is that God is speaking to your heart, but I do know this. He speaks. And if you think you're done, if you think you're finished, if you think he's through with you and he can't have anything to do with you, I want you to look at the life of Moses and I want you to understand something. God gives fresh starts. Maybe today he wants to give one to you. Will you receive it? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. For the lessons that it teaches us. For the people it reveals. But above everything, that it shows us who you are. Even though you are just and righteous and judge that which is good and that which is evil. You're gracious and loving forgiving, patient, kind, long-suffering. Father, here we are. A bunch of broken people gathered together in one room. Not perfect by any stretch. Broken by our sins, broken by our failures, broken by our lack of faith. Broken by our failures and our falling down. Asking you, God, to pick us up and help us to start over. Lord, when I look across this room, I, I see people who've gathered together, and I, I see their faces, but I don't know all the needs. I don't understand what brought each one of them here, but you do. I don't know what their brokenness is or what their wounds are or how severe or how deep, but you do. So, Father, I pray now, if you have not, that in this moment you would speak to each heart. That you would convict us of our sin. That you would convince us of the Savior. That you would draw us to yourself. 
that we might come to you humbly in, in repentance and faith, allowing you to do a, a miraculous work in our lives. Go. Father, set us on the course. You would have us to go today and in the days ahead. Have your way in our lives, Father. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.